I hope you're having a great day, everyone. Welcome back to Cultivating Change. I'm your host, Alex Corey. It's my journey to bring you the most practical daily tips to interview guests to find out what has worked for them in their transformations in life, in health, in career, in passion. Today's guest is as only Asheville, North Carolina can bring in its vortex of networks and expansive possibilities, a Native American elder with a rich history and a touch of calamity. She's lived multiple lives, and I had the pleasure of getting to know her today and over a phone call briefly. We'll go over how we met in the, in the podcast itself, but in short, she handed me this flyer which is an invitation to dance to heal the earth, uh, which didn't actually happen, and we'll go into why it didn't happen this year. It is being planned for next year, but she is an author. She gifted me this book. She is a shamanic practitioner, healer, an international minister, and a teacher, founding member of the Seven Generations World Wisdom Council, a founding member of the Grandmother's Earth circle and a founding member of the sacred earth council that will 100 percent come through in this podcast she has a deep reverence for the sacred elements of the earth for all creation and this podcast goes in all sorts of directions through her history through her her new mission of um, unifying the polarities that we're currently experiencing in in modern society she's been all over the world and her passion and mission that she has been called forth is to unify and bring all of the traditions from all of the uh, sacred cultures throughout the world so that we can start to heal and heal the earth with ourselves grandmother robin youngblood you live in the most gorgeous place i might have been in north carolina to this point Thank you for inviting me into your home, first of all. Could you just give us a brief tour of how you got to be on the South Toe River on the back of Mount Mitchell in Burnsville, North Carolina? <laughs> well, that's a story in itself. Yeah. In 2014, I was in a pretty horrific mudslide in Washington State, yeah. where I'm from. Yeah. And my great-grandmother was actually buried a few miles from there. Mm -hmm. And I had settled there after I came back from Hawaii because we wanted to build out a community center, a healing center, especially for youth. Mm -hmm. Okay, We had plans to, oh gosh, we had an old state salmon run that they'd totally forgotten about. And we had repaired it and uh, the entryway from the river in there so that the salmon could spawn. We had marshmallow. We had mullen. We had every kind of herb you could imagine. Uh-oh, we're going to have a friend here. That's fine. He can, uh, they can be curious. <laughs> and um, we wanted to teach the youth about the cycles of life. Okay. Well, we didn't know this at the time, but the county and the state had allowed loggers to log half of the mountain at the top. And the loggers illegally went 
well beyond that, where they were told specifically not to log because there was a clay bowl in the mountain. If it filled up with water, it was going to be really dangerous. And we didn't know this either, or at least I didn't. I didn't buy until 2012. But um, the USGS <clears throat> had done a geological survey in 1999 that said that that mountain was a disaster rate waiting to happen. Oh. The state and the county continued to sell building permits and let people sell land up there. So um, you have a new friend. I do. <laughs> so at any rate, I had been with the grandmothers at the UN just two weeks prior. We'd met a contingent of the young Marines, mm -hmm. their ROTC, mm -hmm. and we fell in love with each other. So they were going to come out and uh, help us build out. Before you continue, what exactly does grandmother mean? Other than obviously what the, the connotation is, but is there a, um, yeah, what does that mean in, in your culture? Well, there are many prophecies, okay? One of the prophecies is that when the grandmothers speak, the world will heal. Mm. I have belonged since 2009 to an organization, a group called Grandmothers Circle the Earth. I was traveling ambassador for them until 2019 and traveled around the world starting Grandmothers Circles. Okay. Um, so grandmother is just an honorific basically. Gotcha. We started out being just indigenous women. Mm -hmm. And then we realized that everybody's indigenous to Mother Earth. Yeah. Right. And that those who recognize that have a job to do. Mm -hmm. The Hopi have told us for since the early 1990s, maybe even the late 80s, that we are the ones we've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. There's no rescuer out there. There's no savior. We have to do it. We made the mess, as the Dalai Lama says. Right. We get to clean it up. Yeah. The Hopi, some of the Hopi prophecies that float around are some of the more revelatory or carry the most impact of some of the ones I've heard. Absolutely. They're very stark. They're not soft stories. Oh, no, they aren't. Nope. <laughs> and... You know, at the time when they were starting to tell all those is the time that I was being trained. Mm. So I heard all those prophecies, and I have carried them all these years. And I have watched what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to change me as much as I can and help other people wake up. Mm -hmm. Um and we haven't done a good enough job. Well, that's why conversations like this are happening more frequently, and I'm hearing about them more frequently, just kind of giving people the extra nudge, and we'll get into the uh, how we met, which is by happenstance in the French Broad parking lot in Asheville, just with a flyer and an invitation to a dance, which we'll get to, <laughs> but more of those are happening. And by the way, I don't normally stop people. I was say, wondering. Hey, would you? <laughs> yeah, I remember a very specific. I was chatting with uh, two women about, and it was very happenstance that I was there. My water 
business partner, the, the living water, um, was like, I have a jar of pickles for you. She had made homemade pickles, so I brought her some microgreens. She gave me pickles. We were chatting with another one of her friends, which I had just met, and I think you were pulling out, and I could feel feel you kind of glance at me, so I looked over, and it, <laughs> he just handed it to me, and I went, what about me spoke to you? And you just went, you, just you. So, yeah, that's a, you make an impact very quickly. That is the way it happens, often. Yeah. Yeah, and and I just listen. If spirit says do something, I do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so back to the mudslide. Yes. Um, luckily, thank that one. Mm -hmm. Those young people weren't scheduled to come out until a week after the mudslide. The ROTC soldiers. Yeah, if they had shown up that weekend, they wouldn't be here now. Half a mountain fell down, covered a square mile, Whoa! killed 43 neighbors. Once they rescued me and my friend who was visiting from Holland, and they were taking us out, we saw a little boy on top of a roof, mm -hmm. and the helicopter went back for him. He was four years old. He didn't, he couldn't tell me anything but his name. Yeah. And he was freezing. It was cold. This is on the eastern side of Washington? No, it was on the western side. Okay. A little place called Oso. Okay. And uh, a very rural community, mm. much like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he lost two sisters, a brother, and his father that day. He was freezing. I stripped him down. That might not be good. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> put him in a blanket and put him on my lap, and we sang Wendy Aho and a whole bunch of songs that I, Itsy Bitsy Spider and stuff. And I kept him on my lap in the hospital until they could find his mom. Well, after all of that, and it took well over a year to clear things and figure out what was happening in the survivors' lives and all that kind of thing. Mm. I decided to move to eastern Washington, where my tribal people are, up by a place called Omac and Tenasket. Mm -hmm. And then the wildfire started, mm -hmm. and I couldn't breathe. I was wearing N95 masks before anybody knew yeah. what they were. Yeah. yeah. So then we moved down to Arizona for a couple of years, and I found out I am not a desert Indian, <laughs> and I can't do 117 to 124 degrees. Yeah. And I knew a whole bunch of wonderful people down here in North Carolina, Kentucky, Alabama, Georgia, who do sacred dances. And I do a sacred dance that came from, the vision came out of the mudslide. Oh, okay. wow. While I was <clears throat> underneath the mud and the water, I heard Mother Earth screaming that she did not want that mountain to come down. She didn't want anybody to die. And she asked me to be a bigger voice and to do something to help her heal. Mm -hmm. Well, three months later, 
first <clears throat> a picture had come up with us in the mudslide. I have it in the bedroom. You might want to take a picture later. It was a picture of a Cherokee night warrior. His eyes told me we would be rescued. Okay. I asked the wonderful first responder who came down for Yeti and me mm -hmm. if he would go back and get that picture. He didn't tell me this. He had to have a discussion with the pilots. He went back down and got it. It got in the paper with us. Two or three weeks later, I found out that they had had to have a big discussion about whether they were going to come get us in the first place mm -hmm. because all the oil, the gasoline, the diesel, the propane, everything had ruptured out there. Mm -hmm. They were afraid one spark from oh, their yeah. rotor and we'd all go, yeah. right? But he did it. Okay. I, I will thank that man to the end of my days. They're a special type of person. They are, and they went through hell out there. It was like Armageddon. I'm, I'm getting a very vivid... Yeah. If half a mountain comes down, that is the apocalyptic scene in any movie. So I can conjure exactly. up some images. I look on Google. Yeah. You'll find them. What was the, the name of the event again? Oso, Washington. And just type mudslide. Just look up Robin Youngblood and mudslide and you'll find it all over Okay. Jeez. And, you know, this is still emotional for me to talk oh, about. I have a lot of PTSD over this. So, but that picture came up and because it got in the paper, Jim Nelson, who painted that way back in the 90s, mm sent me another picture three months later, another painting. And the same day, a Cherokee elder named D. Smith sent out an email that said that the Cherokee used to do a dance to heal the earth. And that it hadn't been done in so long, people didn't even remember how to do it. Okay? Wow. But generations? The, generations. But that this dance was going to come back and it needed to come back in a big way because we all need to be in gratitude to Mother Earth for life and we need to help her heal. Mm -hmm. Okay? Well, then I open up this painting and I have pictured it too. I have it in there. You can take a picture. Mm -hmm. It's an Indian woman in her shawl. The shawl is the same color as the mud, okay? I turn it over, and on the back, it says, Earth Mother Dancing. And I'm still getting chickens. Uh -huh. I knew immediately what I was supposed to do. And I didn't know how we were going to figure out the movements. Yeah? I called my friend, uh, Bert Gunn, who has worked with... Tulakio, who was a Mixteca elder mm -hmm. and did Sundance in Teotihuacan for many, many wow. years. Most people have heard Up of on that one, of sun dancing. That's kind yeah. of the, the popular one. They had to climb a mile up the mountain to get to the place mm. and drag everything up with them because there's no electricity nope. out there. Yeah. 
And I asked Bert if he would be, I knew I couldn't do it by myself. I knew it was about the balance of the masculine and the feminine. So I asked him if he would be my male co-chief. And he said yes, and we prayed about it, and we dreamed on it, and the movements came. And we've been doing that around the world for eight years. We just finished a dance in Tennessee at Center for Peace in June. Mm -hmm. And we'll be doing another one next June. When you and I met, we thought we were going to do one right down here. Yep. And <laughs> first of all, people here don't understand that you have to pay land payments. You have to pay for Bert to get here from Connecticut, things right. like that. So nobody really registered in advance. People, are, I think this is a general understanding the gravity of the situation thing, where if you're in Asheville, where, where I met you, and we're just in this region, Mount Mitchell is about 45 minutes east of Asheville, North Carolina, there are so many things happening people assume they will happen regardless and that they can forget like I did. And then I found your flyer. I, I had a move in the way, so I have a little bit of an excuse, but um, find it. And then the week of, or a couple days before, start making preparations. But right, if you have to book an event center, uh, get land preparations for a multi-day- Buy groceries. All of, yeah, everything, just- how many people are going to be here? What do we need to prepare for? The actual um, coming together of everything. Right. So whenever we, uh, we do it for next year, we will sort of, and I'll help with the verbiage of making people understand that this is a uh, very sacred, elaborate thing that, right, we need to plan for everything. And it's going to be fairly transformative. You know, I lived on Maui for 16 years. Mm. Maui and Asheville have the same exact energy. Mm -hmm. In Maui, there are 12 things to choose from every single day. Right. Right? So I totally get why people... And the other dance leaders around here have been like, oh, please get them. Please get them to sign up a month or two in advance. Right. Yeah? We're so used to people showing up the day of, and we never know how much groceries to buy. Right. We don't know how we're gonna get the land payment paid. <laughs> yeah, 20 people to 100 people is very different, so. Yeah, especially yeah. when you're camping. Yeah. There's a charge per person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so all of these things need to be taken in a, into account. Yep. And another thing is that most people here, Maui's the same. Mm -hmm. Cape Town, South Africa's the same, actually. So is Amsterdam. Uh. <laughs> They're used to festivals. Right. They love festivals. Nobody has to make any kind of advance anything for a festival. Everything is there. Right? Yeah. This is a ceremony. It's entirely different. Right. Yeah. And I do want to make a, a statement here. This, this came from a dream from the mudslide. 
this is not a traditional Native American dance. Yes, D. Smith said that this dance needed to come back, but nobody knows what that dance was, right? Mm -hmm. So what has happened here is that we've prayed and asked and done our own, if you would, a vision quest about this mm -hmm. to find out what needs to happen now. Mm -hmm. I was a sun dancer for a lot of years, and Martin Highbear, who was Lakota, had the first Four Nations dance. And one of the things that he taught me very early on is a tradition that is not growing with the people is dying. Mm -hmm. We were talking about being recovered Catholics. Yep. Part of the reason why Catholicism hasn't got the numbers that they used to have all over the world right. is because they are not keeping up with what's happening today. Right. It's not morphing and adapting to modern struggles, culture happening. Yeah, right. It's There's an expression that... I like, which is the dogma keeps the structure, but you still have to continually revive it and bring it forth. It's the archetype of going down into the ocean to rescue your father. You have to go down and bring what is necessary. That's the sacred, that's the archetype, but it always has to be breathe new life into for the time. Yes. Right, they haven't done that well. Well, and they aren't the only ones. I mean, that's happening with our government, right. too. Yeah. There are so many things in the world that really are... This is the time of great change. Yep. We do have to be the change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that goes through every structure there is. Right. Um, in 2011, just before I moved back to America, the mainland of America. I took Barbara Marks Hubbard's course, Agents of Conscious Evolution. Hmm. She uses the wheel of co-creation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's okay. We're just going to disincentivize that. Yeah. All good. <laughs> that was a kitty, by the way. So um, when I saw the wheel of co-creation, my first thought was, Oh, this is the next level of the medicine wheel, mm -hmm. which I've worked with most of my adult life. Okay. Well, then I started working with the wheel of co-creation and realized that nobody's been taught how to co-create. What we do, and I'm talking worldwide here, is we look at this wheel, which has a place for the vision in the center, and then all the pie shapes, the segments, are all the things that support the vision. Well, somebody always tries to jump in the middle with the vision and say, my way or mm. the highway. And then everything falls apart. Cult right? personality almost. Gee, do we know something about that in mm. this country? Mm. Yeah. Well, that doesn't work. It always falls apart. Right. Yeah. So the way that the wheel of co-creation is meant to work is the vision stays in the middle. Everybody else is around the vision to support it, mm. okay? 
It's the circle of life. It is the way that naturally things create. Okay? But we didn't know that in 2011 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. By about 15, we were starting to get it. I had <laughs> a wonderful friend in South Africa who said to me, what do you mean get out of control? I'm from IT. We always have controls. That's how you learn whether things are going to work or not. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, different kind of control. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it took her about a year to get that. And a big uh, confrontation between the two mm -hmm. of us that lasted for six months. Oh, wow. Yeah? Yeah. Until we could finally work it through. The wonderful thing about the wheel of co-creation is that if you stick with it, you will work it through. Mm. Yeah? In the meantime, though, it can be really challenging. A little topsy-turvy. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all learning that because everything has to change. Right. If we look at our structures right now from welfare to Roe versus Wade mm -hmm. to the prison system mm -hmm. to many other uh, Medicare. Almost everything. Like you said, anything an institution touches. Yeah. They have to change. Right. Yeah, corporations have to change, and there some of them are really beginning to get it. Mm -hmm. It's That's not true. been working, yeah. And there's a reason why things fall apart, right? And it almost feels like going with that feel. I like the phrase "instant karma," not in the the way that most people think of it, but. Um, the amount of information that's swirling around is is so vast now and things hit so quickly where if a institution or a corporation does something, they almost feel instant karma where their consumer base changes on a dime. So it's becoming easier and easier to support who you want to and you watch public repercussions quickly, which is very fun to watch even growing up in my generation where you didn't have that and then in, within the last five years is uh, public relations statements and sort of the public face of someone changes very quickly because they will see their their tar tar they will see the consequences of something they either put out a policy a product any of that within weeks or months hit so instant karma <laughs> i said for years if we don't buy it they won't make it correct okay yeah. well when i said that people would like i need this stuff right right now they say oh that's right yeah yeah one of the things i love most <laughs> now i'm a boomer yeah okay okay sure I'm not, and I'm going to sound racial here, but yeah. I'm not a Florida boot. <laughs> okay. okay? Sure. I really don't like people who get stuck in recalcitrant modes. Mm. It's really difficult for me, and I can get really judgmental about it, and I really have to work on that a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
I identify much more with millennials. Interesting. My son and I actually, we went, we did this little, I guess it was a survey kind of, mm -hmm. about the difference between boomers, Gen X, and millennials. Uh-huh. We fit a lot of Gen X and a lot of millennial. Interesting. Very little boomer. Yeah. I know a few like that who just don't fit that. Well, I mean, it's a broad category. That has nothing to do with real people, and it's just overarching. Right. It is overarching. And at the same time, it was extremely interesting. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Um, and of course, generalizations that. Sure. <laughs> but at the same time, Okay, there are lots of qualifications here that I don't fit into. Right. I moved to Maui. Everybody assumed I was a hippie. Right. That was me too. Yeah. No, I'm not. Right. Never have been. I got called in Seattle. Let's see, what was it? My son-in-law called me. He introduced me once as his crazy Indian hippie mother-in-law. And I just looked at him and said, oh, thank you. <laughs> he didn't know what to do with that. Right. Okay. I got a little bit of all of those things, but I'm not any one of those things. Right. Yeah. And part of the reason why I moved to Maui years ago is because I'm half blood. Okay. I'm, I got my own five Indian tribes. <laughs> Down here, they call that the five civilized tribes, but interesting. <laughs> okay. And I have a little Dutch and a little French. Yeah. Okay. So, I, as a very young woman, I did a lot of activism work for tribal people. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I lived in Seattle, which is a very urban Indian area. Yeah. Okay. I never got accepted by the white people or by the Indian people. Huh. And I got really hurt by it at some point in time and really disgusted. Okay. I moved to Maui because I needed healing from mm -hmm. all of that. And Maui is all about aloha, mm -hmm. ho'oponopono, forgiveness. It healed my heart. Okay. It allowed me to come back here and say, okay, now it's time to do what I came to do. Yeah. So all those little bits and pieces, the Indian, the hippie, the boomer, the Gen X, the mm -hmm. millennial, all those things kind of came together and gave me the viewpoints and the perspectives that are uniquely mine. Mm -hmm. You have your unique yes. ones. Every single one of us is a unique human being with special gifts, special talents, mm -hmm. special needs, and special wounds. Yeah. Okay? Our job right now, as far as I'm concerned, is to do our shadow work. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And not just for ourselves. For all those ancestors behind us. I used to have, when I first went to Holland, they said to me, 
we have no culture left, we have no traditions, we have no ceremonies, because World War I and II, the Inquisition, they took them all away from us. It's a very useful feather. <laughs> and, um... Come here. <laughs> there she goes. Anyway. <laughs> okay, well. Cats. <laughs> Yeah, she has her ideas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she's not really a lap cat. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a realm. Anyway, um, I said, well, is that really true? So I made offerings out in the forest and at the ocean and up on their one mountain, which happens to be Valkenburg, which was my grandfather's name. Oh. <laughs> That's the Dutch. Okay. Yeah. So... I asked their ancestors, what is this? Is this true? And they just chuckled at me and said, we haven't gone anywhere. We're just waiting for them to ask. All they have to do is make an offering. We'll give them everything that they ever needed. Mm. And I started telling people that, and they started doing that. And they are reconstituting their culture, their traditions, their rituals and ceremonies. Mm. We can do that here. Yeah. You know, if my ancestors are from Holland, it doesn't mean I have to go to Holland. It means I have to make an offering to those ancestors and ask them to be present with me. Our cultures, our old cultures, aren't really that different. Right. Yeah. And... All those old ceremonies, all those old things that connected us to the land, to the trees, to the water, to the fire, to the air that we breathe. The sacred aspects. They're all there. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, a lot of those ancestors were wounded in ways that we can't even imagine. Okay. And we can still help them heal mm. just by giving them honor and respect and listening to what they have to tell us because they've got a lot to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah. And when we do that, they're like, oh, my God, we're being recognized. We're being loved. Thank you. That heals us getting emotional that's okay i'm holding it back because this last two years has been i have i come from a uh, mixed family but i'm probably the most lebanese looking like lebanon the middle eastern country of my family especially when my hair grows out if it's long and curly i look way more mediterranean but my family has a nice around holidays like most families we we honor that tradition and the food comes back but I still don't know much about my ancestors, that culture, or the Polish and German and English aspects of my family that I'm a part of, and I'm so I'm all over the place as well, but I'm sure each of those has a rich tradition, and like you said, there is a fundamental human experience, so all of the old cultures honor the same aspects, and it's it's reliving the same experience and then trying to improve 
And I was having a very strange conversation, just a little tangent, with a, um, at a potluck the other day in Weaverville. And I met a woman who was an astrophysicist for her undergrad and then did um, Ayurvedic astrophysics as her master's right. And somehow we got into, she was talking about Sanskrit and how the actual characters were the closest the way you say them is kind of the closest resonant frequency to just an old language. So you just have a little more raw touch with reality. And she said, Cherokee is pretty close to that. If you, it's, it's an old, old language on par with Sanskrit. So you know that some Cherokee words are the same as some Hebrew words. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. All of, yeah, those ancient cultures where they haven't been morphed. They're, close to raw touching a field almost mm -hmm. i can't describe it any better than that but kind of just you have a pulse on on reality where i'm curious does this woman do any sound healing work mm -hmm. no, she does some biofield stuff oh yeah you you can't if you learn that you can't avoid that or escape that music was the first language <clears throat> right the and word. It's, yeah. it's mathematical too. Right. Yeah. Language of existence. It's creation. Right. Yeah. That's the one thing most belief systems, cultures agree on is different words, but in the beginning there was the word, which is that. And the word was made flesh. Right. So it, it does all usually come back to sound which has various abstractions mathematics or ways we interpret it but yeah it's the the resonant field that we're sitting in the ocean many creation stories the tiwa the gods were male and female mm -hmm. and they sang creation into existence mm -hmm. in one of the traditions that i've followed over the years Everything came from the void, but it came through sound. Yeah. When I hear the word manifest, it gets kind of used in weird ways by New Age communities. But when I hear it now, what I think of is just that. Bring from the void, usually through voice, into existence. So that's what I usually think of. From nothing, and then there is a vibration. Well, think of some of the books that have been written. Take Jules Verne's, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay? He wrote 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And suddenly we had separates. Right. Yeah? He, words, whether they're who or whether they're written, mm -hmm. are a form of bringing something to existence. Right. Anything that has been created, has been imagined first. And one of the things that humans do not take responsibility for mm -hmm. is that we are all creators and destroyers. All the time. Yeah. Yep. We never stop. Yeah? If we would really be conscious of that and responsible for that, it would change our lives automatically. Mm -hmm. It's... Well, it's an extra layer of responsibility, and I think you hit the nail on the head, which is life is difficult enough sometimes, so just acknowledging that you have the 
power of creation, which then means you have the responsibility of conscious creation, is a fairly heavy burden sometimes. So Also, the, we have the power of destruction. Oh, yeah. We are Kali. Right. Right. Yeah. The destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, those little skulls around her neck mean something. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to a good Aubrey Marcus podcast, and they were discussing that just... If you want to think about it like that, all of the ancient gods are aspects that are still very present. So during some ceremonies, people still channel that Kali and it'll be, th it'll be them, but it'll almost be like they're possessed where it can be used as a protective energy, but that raw, aggressive, destructive threatening power comes through that story kind of threw me where i hadn't thought about it like that same with the greek gods or any of that it's just aspects perspective angles that every human has access to which can be terrifying if you're in your full throes of that do you know omelia chikopi lewis no. she's in Asheville. she's your next uh oh really yeah okay omelia uh wrote a book about different goddesses and the fact that all these different goddesses are they carry the same energy forms white buffalo calf woman Kuan Yin um, who actually was Guan Yin at some point yeah yeah um, I'm familiar with the Egyptian, like Isis, Mary, like those iterations through time of okay. the same feminine goddess energy. Is this well, these, she's yes, she's um, your comes from Yoruba lineage. Yeah. So African. Okay. So she would be familiar more with uh, um, Orishas. Okay. Okay. Yamaya. Uh, Oshun. Oshun is, in my opinion, much like Isis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yamaya is the mother goddess, mm -hmm. Gaia, right. etc. Anyway, she correlates them in her book. Mm -hmm. And she's written many other things too. The latest one is a yoga book for children. It's fabulous. I'll give her a plug. plug. Okay. Yeah. It's called the I Am series. Oh, yeah. And it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but I think what you're saying about aspects, mm -hmm. they're the same in every culture. Yeah. They carry different names and they're different apparitions. Mm -hmm. And yet the energy and the wisdom they're speaking to is the same. Right. And I think it's probably important for us to recognize as well that they're in us mm -hmm. just as much as they're out there somewhere. Right. And I think people recognize in themselves usually one or other of the polarity of destructive or creative. But this is not, this is young. It's you aren't a fully integrated person until you realize that you're both. Mm. And there's a lot of Jordan Peterson brought this one up which is if you don't realize you're capable of the atrocities that everyone has created if you think you're harmless you're almost 
someone should watch you because until you realize that you're also capable of that then you aren't it'll come out at some point and you might not have control over it so integrate it gee um right <laughs> i think we all know somebody who's like that right so yeah exactly it's you have to realize that the entirety of the spectrum is within you or you'll get shown at some point and you won't be ready for it right you know the <laughs> two wolf story no it's oh, always attributed whichever to the you cher- feed yeah it's yeah. always attributed to the cherokee i just found it i would recently. love to hear a more specific version of it though because i've heard the child version of it well actually um i just recently was told that it was probably written by billy graham interesting <laughs> okay however i had a cherokee elder who um said something to me about that particular the story is that the little boy asks his grandpa well what about the white wolf and the black wolf one is supposed to be good and the other is supposed to be bad mm-hmm. which do i feed grandpa and the popular story that runs around facebook always says oh feed the white one right mm-hmm. the good one right Cherokee elder said to me, you know what? That's really dangerous. I said, and why would that be dangerous? And I already had the answer, right? But I wanted to hear what he had to say. And he said, you damn well better feed both of them. Because otherwise the black wolf is going to be ravenous. And at some point he's going to jump out and bite everything inside. Right, right. Yep. Yep. Mm-mm. So keep them in, in control, tempered, and in balance. Exactly. Yeah. Give them both a little bit of food and listen to what they have to say. Right. And it's the same with our ancestors, the ones that we don't like. Right. Well, geez, they've never been heard in their lives. They've never been fed. Somebody starved them. Somebody hurt them. Mm-hmm. They need our love and respect, too. Well put. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no one ever says that. No. They're usually shunned. Or, right, people relegated to <laughs> relegated to their worst memories instead of as, as a full expression. There's a new term that I really love because I lived in Maui for 16 years. It's called spiritual bypassing. Oh, yeah. That's not a new term. <laughs> But yeah, for sure. Right. And thankfully, I I don't know why, but this last year I've been invited to be a part of a number of different communities. And thankfully, people are taking the the dark part seriously, where they're like, oh, it's not all love and light. <laughs> yeah. So it's becoming more of a thing. Well, and, But it can know- also be an ego trip. Where some people are using it as like the the Zen enlightenment conundrum, where they're like, "Oh, I've done more shadow work than you," where it's just kind of trying to one up. Is is that anything like the sun dancer who goes into the bar right afterwards yep. and says, "Oh, see all my scars? You want to go home with me now?" Yeah, <laughs> similar thing. Where and then thankfully it's pretty obvious if you just talk with people where you're like, "I think you're using this for a little bit of a trip," but the people who do take it seriously and whose 
actions and lives you can see change subtly, gradually, that's powerful. That's it inspirational. It is. Yeah. It is. And you're right, it's not a new term. However, you know, the last three years have been horribly divisive. Mm -hmm. Okay? And it's like we've gotten to see a whole lot of shadows. Right. As well as a whole lot of light. Yep. And my the job that I see myself having these days is to help reunify us mm. and it's not an easy job mm. because there are still people who are still very much stuck into the vaccine, no vaccine. <laughs> yeah, just the massive swings and extreme yes. polarity. Yeah. And I keep trying to help people find our common ground. Mm -hmm. We're all human beings. Right. We all have the same needs. And they're not different from that tree out there and the deer down by the river and the bear up at the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all the same. We all need food. We all need clean water. Mm -hmm. We all need enough fire to keep us warm. Mm -hmm. We all need good air to breathe. Mm -hmm. We all want adequate shelter and education and clothing and decent jobs that fulfill us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We aren't different in those ways. Right. We need to put this whole idea of I'm right and you're wrong to bed. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, there was this expression. Oh, well, I'm right. And I know I'm right. I'm dead right. Well, how do you like being dead? Right. Yeah. We need to just toss that somewhere. Mm-hmm. And say, that's not what this is about. This is about finding the ways that we can help each other. Mm -hmm. And that means all of creation. Right. I think a lot of that divisiveness has been stoked on purpose. Oh, of course. Yeah. I am such a better person if I just don't look at media at all for like three days. Just my outlook on life changes, especially if you get outside, like you said. So if you bathe in creation and just, obviously you can't escape hearing about things because people talk and connection is so important. But if you just don't get consumed by it, like life gets really positive. If you, like I'm a hypersynic by nature and I can spend way too much time just digesting information about all of the issues and problems and just kind of get into a fairly dark place or now i just the solutions exist like you said we know what we have to do in almost all of the areas agriculture um, any of the humanities just as the broad spectrums people are making gradual and sometimes monumental change so the the problems aren't unsolvable but like you said it's communication, 
and unifying people towards a single like human vision. Yes, and there is a tipping point. Right. Okay. I keep telling myself we're not past it. I hope. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Even if we are in an extinction event and we're the ones, mm. there will be some of us left. Right. There always have been. There always have been, and the, it, many indigenous cultures say we're in the fifth or sixth world already. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um. I would prefer not to get to that place. Right. <laughs> and I hear all the stuff about Putin. Mm -hmm. And what Biden said this last week about we could be closer than we've been since 1962 mm -hmm. to a missile crisis. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Putin could be a megalomaniac. He could not care. Mm -hmm. Yeah? And there will still be some of us here. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. We may be very different, <laughs> but we'll still have the same needs. Right. And the point of all of this is let's not go that direction. Right. Let's make better choices. We can do this. Mm -hmm. We do know how. And I found that people find how very quickly, if they have to bring it back to ceremony, those are some of the most life-changing for, doesn't matter what type of neurochemistry or what type of belief system you have going into one. I, I know some very, very cynical people, way worse than me, hyper-reductionist Western scientific minds <laughs> sure. that I can play with too. I mean, I can get there if I get caffeinated enough and depressed enough but even then just the potency of reconnection that any of those sacred sacraments almost ceremonies traditions have to change your neurology and outlook and appreciation for everything overnight is pretty pretty hard to get past tell you a really short story okay i have a friend who's like gosh she must be close to 80 right now i actually uh know him because of his son who when i was in my 40s his son came to me and wanted to learn okay well it turns out his son's schizophrenic okay and over the years, I've supported the whole family with prayer and emotional support and so forth to get him back in balance. Well, this father, he's, um, what do you call that? He's a scientist, and he works on things like um, radiation, mm. and he's really a big deal right. in Washington, D.C. Okay. Okay? And, of course, he's retired now. 
just in the last year. He's been watching, following my posts and all that kind of thing for years, okay? Just in this last year, he started responding differently. Before, it was always the science, mm -hmm. right? Now, it's... It's partly watching his son and what his son's doing because his son has really made a change. It's partly hearing me talk about ceremony all mm -hmm. these years. And he's also seeing his son do little things at home, smudging. Yeah. And, and suddenly he's voicing things very differently. He's been depressed for many years. Mm. Yeah. And just in this last year, he started saying, I think you're right. I think there could be some hope out there. I think if we start doing this reconnection that you keep talking about, I can see it. I can feel it when I walk through Rock Creek Park. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And every time I see him make some a post like this i have tears in my eyes mm -hmm. i wanted to see this for years right. yeah and it is impressive when it's because i've dealt with clinical depression in the past and you it's hard when you're in it to see a way out or another oh yeah right but the the potency and exactly what you said, usually you can tell someone's had a change in their mindset on their outlook because the words change. And I recently been going, just trying to use better words because I've listened to enough podcasts on spelling, on magic, which is just ways of saying how, what you're putting forth into the world where I used to be hyper hyper-scientific, always had a combative framework, and now it's shifted into more listening and subtle, slow, trying to put exactly what I want out there. And it's not easy, but you can usually tell when someone's had a change by the way they're speaking, exactly like you said. One of the things that I say fairly often to students on Facebook mm -hmm all over the place is the universe only knows how to say yes so watch what you're telling it. that's i love that yeah what do you teach um well i have a couple of books yeah one of them is path of the white wolf i wrote that way back sandy and i wrote that way back in 2007 mm -hmm. and it is a journey around the medicine wheel a year-long mm -hmm. journey the medicine wheel can be used as a compass for life. It is the, the circle of life, the wheel of life, yeah? The four quadrants, east, south, west, north, in the northern hemisphere. Right. East is new beginnings, new visions, new dreams. What wants to emerge now? Okay. The south in the wheel that I use, and every tribe's wheel is different mm. because they're according to what they observed on their landscape. Mm. Which are you using? I'm using the one from my Okanagan people. Okay. Which is very similar to the Ojibwe one. 
Okay. And we're all northern people. Gotcha. Okay. So it's yellow in the east. It's red in the south, the hot summer sun. Mm. It's life, passion, and purpose. Uh, the east is your solo journey. The south is about your partnerships, whether it's with your children, with your spouse, with your working partners, your play partners, your prayer partners. Uh -huh. Okay. The West is black. It's all about adulthood, community, maturity, healing. Uh. Okay. And the North is white. The silver hair of the grandmother, the white hair. Mm. Yeah. The um, wisdom of the elders, our connection with our ancestors. And what wants to activate in our DNA? Because mm. they gave it to us already. Mm. Right. Yeah. And then there's above, below, and center, which is our connection with the divine, with Mother Earth, and integration. Mm. And one thing that's different between New Age and Old Age, mm. New Age thinks that integration happens in our heart. It happens right there. Interesting. This is the womb. And men have a womb space just as much as right. women do. And this is the place where all the dreams, all the things that we came here to be and do reside in the womb. That's why women are called the birthers, the givers of life. Men have that same you just use it in a different way. Right. Yeah. When we begin to realize that, then we can bring what's here, what's truly integrated at the core. There's a reason why they call this the core. Mm -hmm. Okay. Keeps us strong and steady and upright and... Foundation on mall movement, foundation of most things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Then we can manifest... When I first went to Thailand, I met all these precious Buddhists who had all been taught to reach for nirvana mm -hmm. from their heart down. None of their chakras were moving. They couldn't manifest a darn thing. <laughs> That's why there's so much poverty in the East. Yeah. And I started teaching them about this, and they were astounded because they'd always been taught they were supposed to go there, yeah. right? And they finally said, oh, well, you mean I can actually bring something into this world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you'll be a whole lot happier if you do. And they started doing it, yeah. Their whole lives changed. So this is a really important teaching. Okay, so Path of the White Wolf is our personal transformation. Okay. Sandy and I wrote another book in 2020. Right in the middle of COVID. Yep. We finished the last sentence on winter solstice. Oh, wow. We spent 2021 putting it out to different publishers and all that kind of thing. The first book we uh, self-published. It's a lot of work. 
<laughs> Sandy did all that okay. work saying, God, yeah. there's no way I could do it. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, she said, no, I'm not doing it this time. I said, please don't do it this time. Right. Well, Llewellyn picked it up. And I don't know if you know who Llewellyn is, but they're out of uh, the UK. Mm -hmm. They did Animal Speak, which is kind of the shamanic go-to book for um, animal totems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they've done a lot of other really interesting New Age work and traditional work. So they picked it up. And um, this book... Is for what's happening right now. It's really cogent. It's really timely. Mm. It's still a path around the medicine wheel, but it's using it for how we work together, how we co-create, whether we're co-creating with our family or in the workplace or we're doing it in ceremony. Mm -hmm. Or we're working in the world to change the things that need to happen in the world. So part of the reason for going out to a big publisher, Llewellyn calls themselves Worldwide Publishing. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason to, for going out to them is because I want this book in the hands of everybody who's interested. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The first one was like, okay, there's going to be a lot of people interested and they know they need to change. And over the years, because I've done this online course with it for, well, since 2007, mm -hmm. I've worked with hundreds of people, maybe thousands, to help them transform their personal lives. And, okay, I got to do a little backstory sure. first. My teachers were mostly in the Northwest, and most of them are in the spirit world now, to be honest. Northwest, like Pacific Northwest? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fred Beaver, Chief Jameson, Johnny Moses were both cousins. Johnny's still here, Beaver Chief's in the spirit world. Mm -hmm. Martin Highbear, um, George Amy, a whole bunch of different folks. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And from many different native tribes. At some point, Beaver Chief and I were talking one day. I wanted to go back and live on the res. And he said, don't you dare. And I said, why not? And this was like in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. He said, because you're too soft. I said, what? <laughs> and he said, honey, there's a knifing or a shooting practically every night on the res. And right right then, that was true, mm. okay? He said, don't do that. I said, okay. He said, you're not a res Indian. You're a half-blood. So what that means is you're a bridge. Mm -hmm. You're a bridge between ancient and modern. You're a bridge between indigenous and normal culture right. yeah. <laughs> you we want you to go out and learn from 
as many different indigenous tribes as you can. At some point, we're going to need people with baskets of wisdom from many different cultures. You'll have nuggets of wisdom from all of these cultures. Mm -hmm. Because there is a time coming when the tribes are going to come back together. And we're going to need all those. And these modern people that are coming up now, they aren't going to be able to follow one culture like he was referring to him in his generation, mm -hmm. like we have, right? They're going to need teachings from all these cultures. And many years later, another native teacher told me a story about when the very first tribe split off. He said, you know, they were all clans then. Each clan that needed to split off because the people had overused the land like they always do. Each clan that split off was given a nugget of wisdom and a ceremony to help hold throughout time until the tribes could come back together. That time is now. Okay. So I spent all those years in between going up. I had traditional 83 and 85 year old Siberian shaman teachers. Whoa. Okay. They'd never been out of their country before. Right. They taught things that I mean, Grandmother Misha was about that high, and she probably weighed 80 pounds, mm -hmm. and the woman could drum for eight nights at a time, all night long, for a Kamalania ceremony, a soul retreat ceremony for hundreds of people. Yeah? That's impressive, to say the least. I can't do that. I couldn't do one night, probably. I did one soul retrieval in France for about a hundred people, and I, it scared me to death. Yeah, <laughs> just the responsibility of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've had Polynesian teachers from several different areas of Polynesia. Mm -hmm. I worked with Aborigine teachers and African teachers, and. I've spent 40 years at this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lifetime. Yeah. So all of the things that I have learned are in those two books. And give me the name again. I'm going to get a copy of, of the new Amazon. one. Amazon.com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the new one is Journey of the White Bear. Thank you. A Path to Our Shaman's Heart. And the reason it's called that is because all of us have a shaman's heart. We just have to access it. We've been taught to shut down, shut down, shut down, shut down. Okay? Yeah, oh, yeah. This is the time of open up, open up, open up, open up. Okay. So that's what this book's about. That's beautiful. And I think more people are almost too quickly to the point where I probably know 10 people who are having a very difficult time to Too vulnerable adulting almost as in just so much is coming up and coming in 
where it's overwhelming and they're just having trouble processing normal life. That's strange. Send them my way. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I know. I mean, we need all help we can get at this point, but... Um, I'm going to do a year online course with this book, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's not going to be cheap. No. Well, if it's... If there's that much work and if it's that impactful, I don't think people... People get so much out of it. And it's so... Life-changing is a overused word. Um, it almost breathes new life into you just with the perspective and how you the lens with which you see everything where money almost doesn't matter at that point, where it just changes your entire journey. And one way to look at it is that it's an investment mm -hmm. in yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, always. Because at this point in time, we all need to be invested in ourselves. Right. That's the only way we're going to make the changes that we need to make. That brings up another question, and this might be a stupid question. A lot of the, I'm in the um, agriculture field, a lot of farming, microgreens, and now more permaculture and long-term thinking, biodynamic stuff, and seven generation always pops up and I always took it for granted that I never looked to see if it was an actual native tradition. Is that accurate? It is. Okay. Uh, and there's a process to it. Okay. It's not in every tribe, but it is in most tribes. Okay. And it's a combination of elder councils, deep prayer and ceremony, okay, and sight. Native Americans don't have words in a lot of culture, in a lot of our tribal cultures for spirituality, art, right. seeing, stuff like that. It's just there. It's there, right. Yeah. But through prayer and ceremony and counsel and guidance and vision questing, mm -hmm. things like that, we learn and they start learning in the old ways. This is coming back, but it got broken mm -hmm. for a long time. But in the old ways, you started learning these things when you were five and six years old. Uh. In my tribes in the Northwest, mm -hmm. children were sent out on their first overnight vision quest when they were five or six. They didn't know it, but their parents were watching, right, to make sure that they were safe and all that kind of thing. That's an early initiation. Early. Yeah. Yeah. I can and see scary. Five is early. Kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Scary. Very scary. Yeah, I can't imagine with just... But then, you also can't imagine being raised True. on the land that way. True. Yeah? So... Now that these things are coming back, 
little children are now being immersed in the language again. They're starting to learn how to see things again. Okay. We didn't, we rarely knew things like schizophrenia. Um, mental breakdowns, okay? Probably the whole host of the DSM book, the psychology. Yeah, right. So yeah. I'm sure, well, and that's the same with any native culture before they got introduced to English cooking. All the chronic diseases. They didn't have a word for most of the ailments that plague us now because the food was completely different, but similar story. It's didn't have a word for it, wasn't a problem. Something changed. Yeah. Guess what changed? Well, and also a lot of the foods that Europeans think belong to them mm, sure. actually came from here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, when children are supported and encouraged to share what they see. We've all heard about indigo and crystal and violet ray kids. Mm -hmm. That was the norm right. in the old days. I figured. Okay. Nowadays, it's special only because parents are beginning to realize, oh my God, they need to support this mm. instead of shut it down. Right? When it's supported, they're going to see well, if I do X, Y, and Z, it's going to cause that, that, that. If I do A, B, C, it's going to cause that, that, and that. Right? Mm -hmm. And when, they're, when they can talk about these things freely and get the counsel and guidance from their parents, their elders, maybe their grandparents, right? It's going to change what drives them as they grow up. Right. We are in a transitional time. For sure. <laughs> and we're relearning those skills. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make a lot of mistakes. Oh, yeah. And we're, we're doing it. Yeah. You're generation is doing it mm -hmm. yeah there's not, there's a renewed interest a because it's so addictive there's such a i just started tai chi because i needed something oh that, i just started back did you yeah uh, i needed something to help me <clears throat> check in with my body that wasn't breaking it down so i have a history of personal training and resistance stuff but at some point you're like it'd be nice if there was some way to connect with myself at that energetic level that wasn't taxing and that is such a good way to do it and it's where i was going with that is it's invigorating to make such leaps and bounds because you're so bad at the beginning so it's addicting to to learn all the new skills that are coming back to start doing the traditional practices because there is so much growth and novelty where and there's no downside like they're always useful these are hyper, hyper useful, practical, necessary, sacred skills. So you get the benefit of constantly growing that addictive process 
and learning how the world works in the process. And they're all about connection. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the very first Tai Chi movements I ever learned, I should teach you this. You should. Maybe after. You want to be really bad. Recording. <laughs> uh, but we can do it after. Okay. I took Wendy Aho and did Robin's Tai Chi with him. Okay. So it's very simple movements, but it's. Um, I've got to put my feathers down. Sorry. That's okay. Stay. <laughs> it's a movement of greeting the morning sun. Giving thanks to the sun, right? Mm -hmm. Protecting ourselves from back, scooping up the energy of Mother Earth, bathing ourselves in it, and giving it to the next direction. Mm. Yeah? Um, it's not only sweet, it just totally goes with the song. Right. And the song is an old Cherokee song first recorded by Ulale way back in the, maybe in the 90s, 2000, somewhere in there. And I've been told that um, it's a song about the Cherokee greeting the morning sun. So to do this, these movements with it, just feels really natural mm -hmm. yeah and i do it out there yeah, i would yeah yeah and just it's such a wonderful way of saying good morning and it's a little bit yogic too yeah mm -hmm. which by the way every culture started with shamanism mm -hmm. So most of those animal and tree and right. all those postures were originally shamanic. Right. Right. Yeah. Tantamic kind of popularized that. They're just like, these are the initial, I mean, it's the progression from direct connection to the earth to the next planes. Yeah. 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 I have a, a girlfriend who's a yoga teacher and years ago when we were on Mali, we never quite got around to doing this, but we were going to do a Shama yoga weekend. Yep. I could totally <laughs> see that. You do that in Asheville and you're going to book the room immediately. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, all these methods, and you know, I have, I did the gym. I did the personal trainer. I did all that stuff when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I was runner for years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it came to the point where I realized I actually was hurting my body rather than helping it. Yep. Yeah. And then, of course, after the mudslide, now I'm numb from here to here. Still? Yeah. Oh, geez. Wow. And I have back things. And mm. I have breath stuff and mm. all kinds of things and then i was long COVID for two years yeah you told me that so um i don't want to do those kinds of things to my yeah, body you really need the restorative and the i do the the gentle yeah <clears throat> and i think we all need that. which is what i have found uh, abruptly yeah but there's a difference between new age yoga mm. Mm. and
and the real deal. For sure. Between New Age Tantra and the real deal. <laughs> right. Between New Age Shamanism and the real deal. Yeah. I'm not saying that any of those things are bad or wrong. I think they're the bridge. They, they are the They're bridge. how it gets popularized. And then a certain sect of people will be like, eh. There's more to it. And then they dig and then they're like, oh, this is where it came from. So it's necessary for the exposure and adoption. And then whomever is called to, to actually dig into the roots and the, the real stuff do right yeah yeah and i i do think they're a bridge because they attract people that wouldn't normally be attracted yeah and they give them a gentle way in yeah yeah because yeah. you know <laughs> grandma ming mingo from uh siberia through her translator she didn't speak english Somebody said to her one day that she really wanted to be a shaman. And grandmother looked at her. She put her hands on her hips and she said, why would you want to do that? This is the hardest thing you could ever do in your life. The woman was like, what? And I'm standing in the background listening to this and going, oh boy, she doesn't know what she's asking for. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> straddle two planes of existence i i'm sure she figured it out <laughs> yeah <laughs> it looks torturous almost well that's a heavy burden be... okay well i don't know anyone who does it for fun no <laughs> and you know in northern american tribes mm -hmm. we of course shaman is becoming uh right blanket word now yeah. but that's never what we called ourselves right. okay but did you know that there are seven different types of vision quests no i knew of two i didn't know there were seven eh, one of them is staying overnight in a mountain water stream oh jeez, yeah i could see that yeah another one is being basically buried alive i knew that one yeah I wouldn't do well with that one. They aren't easy. No. <laughs> no? You know how they got me to do the Buried Alive one? I'm, I'm assuming there's some sort of substance given to... Oh, they. Not... Oh, oh. It's called a mudslide. <sighs> yeah, I didn't see that one going. <laughs> uh, there's no way I was going to do that one willingly. No. Right, I would... <laughs> something i mean you're being trapped is probably one of my a lot of people's worst nightmares yeah yeah took me a couple of years afterwards to get in the sweat lodge again yeah i don't blame you so we probably should close this down we should so how ceremony dance to heal the earth next june 16th through 19th okay dates planned already here, Mount Mitchell. Center for, Center for Peace. Tennessee. Seymour, Tennessee. Okay. And the Center for Peace has a website. It will be on their website probably okay. about February. They usually do most of that yep. in January. Okay. Or people can email me. 
Yep, I'll put all of your contact info under this. Is there, now we mentioned um, fundraising to get people here next year. Is that happening? Well, yeah, basically we ask a suggested donation mm -hmm. of $300 for dancers. Okay. And 150 for, we call them earth keepers. They support the dance. They take care of the sacred fires. They're the kitchen angels and so forth. Um, and I want to emphasize that it's a suggested donation. Mm -hmm. If somebody has a financial hardship, they will not be turned away. Mm -hmm. We'll find some way to do it. Right. Okay. Uh, we do ask that much because we got to pay all those bills. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Land, venues. And I wish I could afford to do it all, but I can't. How many people usually are at one of these gatherings-ish? Well, the one we did this last year or this year um, was we haven't done anything down here for since 2016. Mm -hmm. So it was very small. We're all coming out of COVID. Yep. We probably had about 20 people. Okay. Usually it's somewhere between 30 and 40. We have had dances up to 65 people. Mm. And we're, Bert and I can handle that and Center for Peace can probably handle that. I wouldn't put that many people down here. Right. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. And we are, we're tentatively thinking of doing something next year here. Right. Somewhere in the area. Like the one that, that didn't happen because yeah. people were like me and didn't respond. Well, that's not the only reason. Right. The other reason is that I got COVID again. That's right. Said yeah. That. So yeah. that hopefully, um, by this time next year, one of the things that I'm starting to do, mm. I'm going to do a women's drum circle here. Right. And that's in November. Um, we're limiting this first one to 10 people because COVID and all that stuff. But yeah. hopefully next spring we'll be able to open it up more for both men and women. Okay. And I'm going to start doing some water ceremonies and other ceremonies that i'm here. fascinated with yeah because yeah, i'm turning into a water nerd so i would absolutely I love to that. observe that yeah yeah lovely yeah uh, nobody observes at my ceremonies you participate that's what i meant <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i didn't know if it was set up like one of the dances where there was a core group of people and then there were people who were lending energy and support no we're gonna walk up to roaring falls i saw that yeah. It's only about a half mile, and it's a pretty easy walk. Okay. And um, it's this kind of fall. Yeah. Not, that not a, right. Not a drop fall. And we'll do the ceremony up there, and uh, at some point I'm going to do a fire ceremony. Mm. And talk story. Mm-hmm. Well, as you do around the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, Yeah. We're going to do some things around here. It needs it here. It's it does. It's a beautiful land, it's but it needs it. gorgeous, and I'm sure, yeah, it needs all the help that we can give it. Yeah. Two books, a course, which I'll put below as well, and then the Center for Peace. I also have other 
students now teaching Path of the White Wolf. Oh, wow. Okay. So both courses will be available. And Path of the White Wolf is much less expensive than this one's going to be. Gotcha. Because it's personal rather than for the right. whole world. Yeah. Um, do you have any any place where people can find you? You mentioned Facebook. Mm-hmm. If people want to interact, is Facebook the best place or is there the other? <laughs> or do you maybe want to temper that? Well, it's the best place, okay. but Facebook thinks I have enough friends. Gotcha. So they can follow me okay. or they can message me. Gotcha. Okay. Um, there is dance to heal the earth.org. It mm -hmm. needs to be updated. We'll so work on that. We will work on that. Yeah. And churchoftheearth.org, which currently is the old website, mm -hmm. but you and Raven are going to be getting that done. Yep. And I hope that by December, it'll be up and running in the new form. There's, there is a form, a new form. Yeah. It just needs some... Some love. Some love and some uh, text added to it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. We can make that happen. Wonderful. Did we miss anything? I don't think so, and I'm loving talking. So uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I appreciate we can the do time this all day. Well, I'll be back for more. For good. There and needs by to be the way, story. I see the Lebanese. If you look, you can definitely see it, especially when the the curls come out. But mm -hmm. it's there.